1: 1280 The Zone, 4 o'clock hour. It's The Big Show. Austin Horton and Jeff Miller in for Jake and Gordon. Let's waste no time. Let's get to our NBA Daily Assist.
0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is The Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining The Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Chris, Chris, when the cats are away, the mice will play. So welcome to the mouse nest. How are (laughs) you? What's going on, man? We're excited to talk with you uh, without the burden of Jake and Gordon this week. I want to start right here. You and Howard uh, met or had on your uh, crossover podcast the guy who's in charge of all the strategy connected to the scheduling the play tournament's a hot-button topic right now. What was your conversation with him like on your podcast? Did this stuff come up?
2: Uh, oh, That was actually Howard's version of it. He did that interview himself. Oh, gotcha. I listened to it, and he did it with Evan Wash, who is uh, one of the scheduling czars. Um, it, this topic came up in a roundabout way in a discussion of how tanking has been significantly cut back on this year you've got 24 teams that are mathematically in the playoff race right now and really only quite frankly only one team that's just brazenly tanking at the moment and that's oklahoma city now the reason that's a roundabout way of talking about this is that there's a reason 24 teams are in the playoff mix because of the play in tournament because if you get into that 10 spot you give yourself a chance to play yourself into the playoffs. And that's something I think the league remains uh, very excited about, no matter what public comments come out there.
1: I asked uh, one of our earlier guests today because uh, LeBron brought up the, the play in and said, whoever came up with that ought to be fired. And he wasn't talking about this when his team wasn't uh, (laughs) going towards uh, having to be in the play in tournament. And so I get, I get why he's upset, but I asked, Who's more important to his team's championship hopes, Donovan Mitchell being healthy or LeBron James being healthy? Which one would you go with?
2: Oh, I mean, God, it's six and one half dozen the other. I mean, neither <laughs> team wins without the, that respective player. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put any money on either team getting out of the first round without uh, uh-huh. that player. They're that important. I would probably say – Mitchell is a little bit more important because actually you know the Lakers could be competitive in the first round if Davis is healthy if Dennis Schroeder is healthy and playing I mean there's there's some pathways there without Mitchell uh and, you know you've, you guys have seen Clarkson who I think a lot of people probably thought was going to be a reasonable facsimile for Mitchell coming in hasn't really been that guy uh since he's been out with that injury so I'd probably say Mitchell is a little bit more important but neither team is going anywhere and you know, to the, to the point about the play-in game like we've heard two teams gripe about it they have been the lakers and lebron and dallas and luka doncic mm. and both those teams are in the mix or at that time were in the mix for the play-in game as the number 7 seed that's the big issue here like the, i don't think these teams if they were in the 8th spot would be as against this i think the fact the 7 seed is involved in this is irking some players in and around that spot, but I don't hear anybody on San Antonio or Golden State complaining <laughs> about the playing game. I don't hear anybody on Washington or Indiana or Charlotte complaining about the play in. I mean, you know, it's, it's very subjective and you know, it's clear LeBron has some skin in the game with this, uh, this, uh, uh gripe.
3: And it's going to make for some great, for some great television.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, the, I, I think the play like I was saying to somebody earlier, like, I don't watch a lot of the baseball playoffs. What I, I sure watch every year is that their version of the play-in, where they do that one-game uh, playoff, the wild-card game, um, that's fun. And it's early fun. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we we get to the finals or the conference finals, you know, we know that's compelling television. But the first and second round of the playoffs, oftentimes they can be boring. Uh, this brings a level of excitement uh, to the first round of the postseason that we haven't seen before. And as I said earlier, like, the fact that so many teams are – in this mix, that makes the regular season more compelling. I mean, that that makes these games that we're watching, you know, featuring the Wizards and the Pacers and other teams uh, actually meaningful games. I mean, look, put it this way. If the Wizards didn't have the play-in tournament, you think they'd be playing as hard as they are right now? You think we wouldn't see Bradley Beal shut down or, you know, somebody else shut down? I mean, that's just, you know, they they have an outside shot of getting into the playoffs and they're taking advantage of it. And that's why I think not only is the play-in tournament good now, I think some version of it will be around for a very long time,
1: and so th- those nines and tens love it. Oh, the sevens and eights are like ah,
2: what it? Modif- yeah, nines and tens love it. Like eleven and twelve probably love it. You know, teams that are like it is, it, There's probably half a dozen teams in both conferences that that think it's it's valuable. I, I just uh, you know the, the 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 positives just far outweigh the negative when it comes to the playing.
3: What kind of uh, modifications do you think will happen to the playoff stuff next year?
2: I I don't think seven will be involved ever again, and that might, you know, codify some of the 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 people having issues uh, there. Um, I I think uh, I I think you'll see eight and nine involved in a play-in, much like it was last year in the playoffs. And I do think there might even be a stipulation that the nine seed has to be within, say, three games of the eight seed. I don't think the NBA wants a scenario where the eight seed is seven games up on the nine seed and. You know just because the eight seed has a bad as one injury or mild injury uh, they get knocked out of the playoffs that, that's not what the NBA' is trying to do they're not trying to to water down the regular season or to minimize the value of the regular season but if they're a couple of games between eight and nine why not have a play game to to decide who, who gets to go to the playoffs
1: there was a time not too long ago that I was saying the Portland Trailblazers might be a big big problem in the playoffs and it was right after the trade for uh, for uh, Powell that I that I said this, and then they kind of faded for a bit. But I saw you tweeting about the road trip recently for the Portland Trail Blazers. You feel like they are coming back around to life?
2: Well, they're four and zero on this trip going into the game tonight against Atlanta. They beat some good teams. They've had a touch of luck along the way. The Pacers were banged up. The Nets uh, were without Kevin Durant, so they, they you know they they took the schedule as it was. But I mean, this is a team before this six game road trip started that looked like they were dead in the water. I mean, they were just getting hammered uh, on their home floor. I think Memphis beat them two games in a row in Portland before the road trip starts. And, you know, whatever happened on this trip, and look, sometimes going on the road can galvanize a team. It can bring them together and make them realize that it's us against the world in situations like this. And that appears to be uh, some of what it's done uh, for Portland. Uh, You can see Damian Lillard starting to move a little bit better. His injury issues have been... An ongoing problem for Portland. Uh, CJ McCollum played great against Boston last night. Uh, I, you know, look, I, I'm not ready to buy stock in the Blazers as a potential first round, you know, playoff upset at this point, but uh, they are certainly showing more signs of life than I thought of maybe a week ago.
3: So, of those three teams that are still stuck at that 36 and 28, the Dallas, Dallas, LA, and Portland, which team would you want to face in the playoffs?
2: Uh,. I mean, probably Portland, but it's a coin flip really between Portland and Dallas. Nobody wants to play the Lakers, like no, no matter what they're, they're, they're doing now. Nobody wants to touch the Lakers. I mean, I, I think both Dallas and Portland um, have their strengths and weaknesses. Dallas, obviously, the Doncic-Porzingis combination is excellent. The backcourt in Portland. I probably lean towards Portland because their defense is just atrocious. Um, they, they don't defend anybody, and that, that's that's been part of their problem all season long. So I don't see that improving dramatically. By the time the the playoffs rolled around, but yeah, you, know, you go up against Portland, you gotta you know brace yourself for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum going for fifty plus uh, between them, and and watch out for that. So I, I think that both those teams have have certain strengths.
1: I'll challenge you just a little. You say no one wants to play the Lakers, regardless of what they're doing now. If LeBron is this LeBron, if it's this injured LeBron, does that change it at all, though?
2: Well, I mean, if he's injured, yes, but like. You know, betting against LeBron is like anticipating Charlie Brown to kick the football. Like, it doesn't it, it doesn't work. Like, I mean, I've done it. Like, for years, when he was in the Eastern Conference, I was like, all oh, right, yeah, but this is Boston's year, and Atlanta's deep, and Milwaukee's deep. Like, every year we bet against LeBron doing something great, and he goes out and does something great. What is the definition of insanity? What, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result? Like, maybe we should stop betting against LeBron James uh, in the playoffs, now there are obvious warning signs here. I mean, the, the ankle injury, uh, the longest stretch he sat out for an injury in his career, that's new. Uh, him saying that he's uh, never going to be 100% again, that's new. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, who I, I cannot believe, like, with, uh, this, this is a separate conversation, but with the vaccine available right now, I mean, the, the, a guy going out for 14 days in, oh. in the COVID protocols, that's just, that, thats I don't know what the word is for that, but it's it's too bad for sure. Uh, but losing him is a backbreaker. I mean, it, they were 0 4 when Schroeder was out uh, back in February, March, uh, and losing him for that long and then potentially have to reintegrate him. I mean, look, you know, Utah's been been like you know, Utah as much as any team in the league has been as diligent about the COVID protocols uh, as any team. They they have been great. They have they have I mean, part of Quinn Snyder's mantra, you guys have heard this like attack attack the uh, attack COVID basically like let's attack this and let's make sure we are. As protected as any team in the league, but got teams that are affected by it. I mean, you see Jason Tatum in Boston. Evan Fournier said something yesterday, like, you know, if you catch COVID, like uh, sometimes there are long-term effects, and and you're still dealing with stuff. And I don't know when Dennis Schroeder is going to be right again. Will he? He's out for 10 to 14 days. Will be out even longer. And if he is, that's a body blow for Mm -hmm. the Lakers. So I I think that you know, you know, obviously there are some variables here with the Lakers that we, we need to account for, but. I'm just. I'm done betting against LeBron. I'm, I'm done <laughs> thinking he can't do something because every time I think that, he goes and does it.
3: Do you um, do you anticipate some creative scheduling and creative play by those top four teams to try and avoid the Lakers?
2: I, I mean, maybe in the last couple of games, I don't know what the upside is now. I mean, I read some stuff after the Jazz Suns game, like was Utah throwing that game. I, I don't know if I. Uh, that to me doesn't. I don't know what the what that's all about, like that it's just too early for that. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned the teams that are bunched together, four or five and or five, six, and seven, like yeah, that can change in a week. you know you could have you know the clippers drop down I mean, well, probably not the clippers yeah, but you so can, those you last can have the, so those
3: last couple of games of the year you worry about when you can really try yeah, and I mean, maybe I, I piece that last, together
2: yeah, I think the last couple of games you could see some some creative lineups from teams <laughs> you could see some some benchings and and things like that designed to to take a loss. I just think it's too early to do that now. You just don't know. I mean, the Lakers could fall to, to six and then you want to be the number one seed because you would avoid the Lakers yep. potentially until the conference finals. So I think that's that to me is a bit of a stretch that the team should be uh, jockeying for position right now.
3: So who do you think ends up with the one seed?
2: I mean, I think it was the strength of schedule. I was looking at my favorite website, tankathon.com. <laughs>
3: it always,
2: always gives the strength of schedule. And that's mm. always what I kind of look for. Uh, early on um I, I probably lean towards utah i think their schedule a little bit easier from yeah. what i remember yeah mm-hmm. and you know when they get mitchell back they'll be they'll they'll, they'll take a jump on, on that that count so it might be close and it might be one game we might be looking back at that game the other day that that was a difference maker but right now i lean towards utah I gave the number one seed and that's important like screw screw everything else like it doesn't you know don't worry about you know where you're facing the Lakers right now, whether it's the second round or the, the – I mean, you don't want to play them in the first round. If They wind up as like the eighth seed or the, even the second seed or seventh seed. You want to stay far, far away from them there. But second round, third round, big deal. You're going to have to face them eventually. You might as well face them when you can.
1: Yeah, the fascinating thing is I looked at that website today as well, uh, Chris, and they've got Phoenix and Utah tied today for strength of schedule left. yeah. But Phoenix has that tiebreaker having beaten the Jazz twice. So. And 538 has the Jazz beating Phoenix by one. Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting. Hey, uh... Luca- we know polls are never wrong. <laughs> never. <laughs> and never boring, uh, either. Luka Doncic uh, is a technical away from suspension. He says I'm not going to get another one. Plan on uh, I won't get another one. What is the Chris Mannix... Odds that Luka Doncic gets to the playoffs without a one-game suspension?
2: I think, I think he's, he's got a decent chance of getting that suspension. He's really going to have to buckle down. <laughs> you know, I know Mark, Mark Cuban took exception to – I think it was Zach Lowe that said it first that, that Luka complains a lot. He does. He, he complains a lot. And, you know, when, when you do that as often as he does – and he's not alone in this. I mean, I, I could name a half a dozen players off the top of my head that are just – constant gripers um when it comes to foul calls but when you do that so often you lose the benefit of the doubt with referees i mean you if you just if you that demonstrative and you start using like hand motions of the automatic technical you're always going to get one if you if you wave your hand at a referee but even if you're just talking and, and yelling and, and coming down the other floor the is going to call something so I, I i just based on history this season i think he's going to get that <laughs> That, that technical, and, and we may see Luka Doncic suspended for a game.
1: Hmm. Uh, finally, Chris, I want to ask you, the Jazz and winning the Western Conference Finals, focusing on just the Jazz, mm-hmm. given let's say that we've given them perfect health to start the playoffs. What is the one thing standing between Utah and a Western Conference Finals uh, uh, w- appearance in the NBA Finals, I should say?
2: You know, uh, we, you can go back down the rabbit hole of Ken donovan Mitchell. Succeed in a big role. Um, who is going to be that secondary scorer? Uh, those are all key variables to me. Like I'm watching what Clarkson's doing, and you know he's opened up the sixth man of the year race by not playing that well. Like I mean, he, he, if it's Jordan Clarkson we saw in the first half of the season where he looked like a runaway winner for sixth man, uh, that's going to be important because you know when the Jazz go to the bench, he is the bench. I mean, I know Joe Ingles is is having a great season. Uh, but when it comes to like individual scoring like clarks is the guy that creates shots and they need him to be uh efficient they need him to be uh, a, a potent scorer and right now i don't know if, i mean i've just i'm just sort of speculating at this point but like he, he looks kind of it looks like a step slow sluggish something's going on with him out there that he's not been the same player that i watched in december january and february and they need that guy in the playoffs if that guy shows up I think the Jazz have a great chance of getting to the finals with all the other things included. Uh, but if Clarkson is kind of this version of himself and, and and you're not getting the A-level guy that we saw in the first half of the season, uh, that, that's going to be something they're going to have to that, – that's going to be a hole they're going to have to fill. And, and internally, I don't know if they have the horses to do it.
3: So going off that same comment with the shooting of Clarkson how important that is, Do you with the Jazz obviously having one of the best three-point shooting years ever, do you worry about bad shooting nights for the Jazz in the playoffs, or do you think their defense can overcome it?
2: No, you, you worry about bad shooting nights because, I mean, I I talked to a bunch of players in the last month, and it's pretty clear they don't give a damn when in the shot clock they shoot. Like, they're just going to keep throwing them up there as early and often as possible. It's just part of their game plan. And, yeah, you know, in the playoffs, possessions become more valuable. There's, that's, there's a history of that. And if you wind up having a, a night where you're shooting, you know, 43 pointers and you're doing it at a sub 30% rate. That's to put a lot of pressure on your defense, a big time problem. So yeah, it's, you know, their defense is excellent. Rudy Gobert is in my mind, the defensive player of the year. And, and certainly as, as someone in the jazz organization told me a, a walking top 10 defense, uh, but there's only so much he, you know, he can take if you're always kind of de- defending in transition and, and not able to, to set your defense on in the half court. Uh, you've got to shoot a, a reasonably high percentage to have, all those threes uh, become effective. Golden State was able to do it uh, for so many years because they had a lot of effective three-point shooters led by Curry and by Klay Thompson. Then Durant comes on board. You've got to be efficient if you're Utah and you want to be this three-point bombing team.
1: Quick uh, correction and retraction before we let you go, Chris. Uh, I was looking at the Tankathon draft lottery (laughs) rankings. The Jazz do have a a much easier schedule left than the Phoenix Suns, so don't go on another show and say, oh, they're tied. (laughs) So. I was wrong.
2: <laughs> you're, you're, oh, no, no problem. I was, I was not going to repeat your information. <laughs> <laughs> That's always That's, a
3: good idea. <laughs> yeah, d- make sure you double check, Austin. Always. <laughs> um, question that has major implications for the Jazz in the off season as far as their financial picture. Do you think this injury costs Mitchell an all NBA spot?
2: Oh, uh, good question. Um, I don't know. Probably, probably. I would have to say. And I was having this conversation with someone that knows Mitchell recently not about like the financial aspect of it but you know where does he belong in the all nba list and this was pre-injury at the time i said to this person i was like look i, I think donovan mitchell is top five mvp if he's top five mvp then he's got to be first team all nba now obviously he's out of the mvp equation with the time he's missed uh with injury uh but is he out of the all nba first second or third team i, I don't know. it's gonna be really close mm-hmm. like you can make a list right now of six guys you'd probably put ahead of him um is that hold up to the end of the season i mean how long is mitchell out i mean honestly these last what is it nine eight nine games that are left mm-hmm. in the year uh, if he, how many he plays in how well he plays then that could really go a long way towards and how will the team play like if the jazz get the number one seed and mitchell close the season strong that's going to be a, a push in his direction if they you know scuffle and finish behind phoenix and closer to denver and, and uh and to the clippers um, you know, that's not going to work out well for him either. But, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be tough. It's as deep as they get at the all-NBA, at the guard spot uh, for all-NBA spots. But, I mean, look, everybody else's injuries, too. Like James Harden was another guy who looked like an MVP lock, you know, a month ago, and or at least yep. an MVP frontrunner a month ago. And now he's, you know, out of the lineup for as long as he's been. And I'm not sure where I put him in the all-NBA spot because he has to own, you know, the complete nonsense that happened the first two weeks in Utah, or in uh, Houston, rather. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these votes are made and how they line up because there's a lot of guys that have can make strong cases for all NBA spots.
1: He's Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us every Monday. Find him on Twitter at S.I. Chris Mannix. Check out his podcasting and, and his writing as well. Chris, we'll do it again next week. You got it, guys. There we go, Chris Mannix. Now, Jeff, I've asked myself, I've asked P.K., and I've asked Chris, one thing standing between the Jazz and it all uh, with a given health, one thing standing between the Jazz and all. where What would your answer be? I think it's the
3: Jazz being the Jazz. Uh-huh. I think if the Jazz, when we, they saw them go 20-1 and one in the middle of the season and they had that rhythm on offense, they're unbeatable. If, they, if they're playing that basketball game, they can hold it off in the playoffs. I don't see anybody beating them because they were playing so well as a team. They had the talent and they were playing as a team, and with that defense behind it, you're not losing.
1: How do you? Th- what do you think it takes to get that? Is it ending the season on a nice little winning streak that's what, and filling bouncy?
3: I think it's important to get Mitchell and Conley back. With I, I mean, I think three, at least three, three four games. I think they need to get. I yeah. I don't mind the three games starting with Portland, but they need to have that rhythm back come playoff time. And you're also going to have a. You also got to imagine you're going to have a four or five day break. Yeah. Yep. For right? sure. There's yeah. going to be a four or five day break with all those playing games happening. So, I mean, I think they're going to beat themselves, but. The other thing is there's just so many good teams in the NBA. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, you look at one through eight, one through ten in the Western Conference, and I don't want to want to play any of them. You can make an you know, argument. A, you wouldn't want to play for any all of them. them. Every yes. one of those teams you can make an argument that maybe not. Not to Memf- win at all, but maybe to, not Memphis. Well I don't think Memphis could get to the conference finals. I think they're the only one of the ten
1: that I, I mean I, as a avoid them in the first round Yeah. yeah. But you can make a, an argument. You can definitely make an argument yeah. on that.
3: And I don't know. Getting Golden State in the first round, that would be a scary matchup. No, I, don't like, I no. don't like it. I don't like it because Curry can get hot, and Curry gets hot, it's tough.
1: Yeah, and uh, Don, uh, uh, Rudy Gobert as great as he is at defense. When you've got him stretched out on Steph yeah. Curry, advantage Curry.
3: Although, as, as I keep telling one of my buddies from California who lives in Golden State area and is a huge Golden State fan, there's not a lot around Curry. I'm not a big Wiggins fan. I'm not a big Uber fan. <laughs> And you know you don't like Draymond Green. Uh, well, that's a given.
1: <laughs> Neither do the referees. <laughs> His water's wet. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, we'll uh, take a break from the NBA chat to get into some NFL draft coverage with Josh Edwards of CBSSports.com. Don't forget, we've got some jazz tickets to give away for tonight's game. We'll be doing that very shortly right here on The Big Show.
0: Is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385 420 7881 or visit syringanetworks.net.
1: Ring the 30 point bell. bell. The Jazz got a hard-earned win over the Toronto Raptors on Saturday, 106-102. They had yesterday off. They uh, host the Spurs tonight and Wednesday for back-to-back games. Derek Favors talked about uh, the waning regular season and that chase for the one seed. I
0: mean, you need to be smart about it. I mean, we played hard and worked hard for the number one seed, and, um, you know, Phoenix been playing great this year too. We don't put too much pressure on it. You know, it would be nice to have the number one seed. But um, once you reach the playoffs, I mean, none of that stuff matters except for, you know, like the home court advantage. But other than that, you know, everybody start off 0-0. We got to go out there and beat a team four times. So we don't try to put too much pressure on ourselves with that. We just try to focus on what we can control, and that's know just getting better with these last remaining 10 games and if we finish with the one seed great if we finish with the second seed you know that's good too just got to get ready and prepare for whichever opponent we got coming up
1: updating that number the jazz have eight games left as do the suns the jazz opponent strength is 46 percent the suns 51 this is your jazz at 30 update presented by syringa networks
0: Can't stop me now. This is the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. Tires. The team you trust. This is 975 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 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 <laughs>
1: Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at beautiful Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the the, the, Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. Welcome back. It's the big show. Austin Horton and Jeff Miller, and for Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Thanks to Chris Mannix for the NBA Daily Assist last segment. Uh, with some really good information, Gordy Chase had joined us earlier, as did Patrick Kinahan. We're going to switch gears from the NBA, though, to the NFL. BYU had five guys drafted, seven more signed uh, undrafted free agent deals over the weekend, no one better to break it down with uh, as a league uh, for the league overall than Josh Edwards of CBS Sports he joins us now hi josh welcome back to the big show thank you happy to be back so uh, we'll, we'll ask you some specific questions about uh, BYU and their their draft takeaways but overall which of the 32 NFL teams won the NFL draft
4: Well, I really like what Denver was able to do over the course of the three days. Um, Denver, I think, added a couple of really high-impact players in the form of uh, Patrick Sertan II, as well as Javante Williams. Uh, You get a really quality interior offensive lineman like Quinn Miners that could possibly be the starter there for a decade plus. So um, to get three potential starters that are that high-caliber was a fantastic day. So the the Broncos and the Jets are the two that stand out to me the most.
1: What about uh, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets? Has you excited for the young guy? And what has you, uh, you know, scared for his NFL future?
4: Well, what makes me excited is the fact that they went out and they surrounded him with some offensive talent, unlike what they did with Sam Darnold. Um, to get Elijah Moore at the top of the second round, to get Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round, who is probably the best interior offensive line prospect in this class. And then to get Michael Carter, who's a good speed option at, at running back. Um, to get all of those guys and add them to your offense along with Corey Davis in the offseason and then to draft Makai Beckton last year. That team has some real talent on the offensive side of the ball. So that's going to enable Zach Wilson. Uh, to have a lot of success. Um, Now the only thing that he's got to worry about is the transition because it is going to be a steep learning curve going from BYU who uh, didn't get to face any Power 5 competition this past year because of the COVID circumstances. Um, So it's going to be a significant step up in competition because what he saw at BYU, his team was generally a lot more talented than those that he faced. Um, So it's going to be a bit of a learning curve, but I think – Zach Wilson with his just natural passing qualities uh, is going to take it in stride and be a really successful quarterback as a rookie.
3: How well do you think he holds up in New York with that media?
4: Well, I'll I'll say that media will take a beating on, uh, will give a beating to anybody. So it's (laughs) it's tough to say that anybody is, uh, uh, you know, immune to the criticism of that New York media, but I think he'll handle it fine. I don't think that, um it's not like, you know, he's this country boy going into the Big Apple, uh, you know, walking into a lion's den, so to speak. I think he'll be fine just, um, you know, with his background, with his confidence, everything, everything about him.
1: Which of the NFL teams uh, really stubbed their toe in this draft? Who who made the moves that you uh, raised the most eyebrows at?
4: Well, I would say it's it's probably Pittsburgh, um, just because I have a fundamental dis- uh, disagreement with their approach in the first round. Um, they wanted to fix their running game, and to them, the way to do that was to get Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, uh, to supplement that unit. To me, you have to you have to fortify your offensive line before you can worry about plugging a running back that's going to have success. Um, you lose more Marquise to either starting center in the offseason. You lose Alejandro Villanueva, starting left tackle, who, although he didn't have a great 2020, um, is still a quality player and has been very productive for them over the years. So you're losing a couple of pieces, and you already had a hole at right tackle. So um, the fact that they really did not use their early draft capital to go out and upgrade those, those positions, um, I think it's going to be really difficult for Najee Harris to go in there and have the kind of impact that maybe the front office and the fan base expect him to.
3: Um, how do you feel about Trey Lance going to the Niners? Do you think he's going to go in there right off the bat and get the starter? or do you think he's going to get a soft start and get Garoppolo out there still?
4: It could be a soft start. I think um, there's certainly a chance that he's the week one starter, but I think of all the quarterbacks in this class, He's probably the most well-equipped to sit and and learn behind Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the best second option that any of the teams that took a quarterback has. Um, Although I don't think they're going to be able to keep him on the bench long because there's already conversations that maybe they were trying to move Jimmy Garoppolo this past weekend, which is not exactly a vote of confidence. So um, it kind of suggests that they were fine, that he was not going to be on the roster for this upcoming season. And that leads me to believe that they think Trey Lance can come in and compete early. So um, Trey Lance is a guy that they identified as being this dual-threat quarterback that's going to give Kyle Shanahan a little bit of a different element to that offense that they've been lacking. Because quite frankly, they lost two Super Bowls with Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think in his mind, it was probably time to shake that up a little
1: bit. Talking NFL, NFL Draft with Josh Edwards of CBS. Follow Matt Edwards CBS on Twitter. Overall, how did, how did you like the NFL draft's uh, presentation? Uh, how did you like how the, the uh, different picks uh, handled their, their 15 seconds of fame? What about Roger Goodell did you like or dislike? Tell me overall, this year's NFL draft, what did you like about it?
4: Yeah, I'd say it was you know as close to a sense of normalcy as we've seen for the better part of a year. Um, you know, to go through what everybody went through in 2020 with COVID and um, Roger Gannell having to announce picks from his basement and then having no preseason and just just a totally unorthodox NFL offseason. So to be able to have fans in attendance, um, I know it was largely, you know, leaning heavily towards Cleveland, the, the local fans, obviously because they didn't have to travel as far. Um, most fans probably were not as comfortable traveling this year. So as much as it was local Cleveland fans, the fact that there were fans in attendance after really not seeing many in attendance at NFL games this past year, it was good to see that. It was good to get back to a sense of normalcy to, um, you know, maybe inspire some confidence that things are going to be looking up over the next year. So I was excited to see that. Otherwise I think the presentation was largely the same. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the way that the picks were announced, um, I would It it has gotten to the point, the only thing that I will say, it has gotten to the point where I think those that are making the commentary on on television know the picks before they're being made. So they're like giving subtle hints about what's to come. And uh, I think he just kind of missed some of the casual dialogue that has endeared the draft to so many fans along the way. So I would like to see him get back to their roots a little bit and just kind of have more of a casual dialogue as to worrying about being right with every pick.
1: All right, and that last thing, and it may be unfair, but I'm going to ask for the Josh Edwards prediction as to what Aaron Rodgers is doing on the uh, opening kickoff at the NFL this season. Is he playing? And if so, where?
4: Man, I keep getting asked that question, and and I have (laughs) no more of an answer than I have for any of the other ones, because it really is such an interesting situation. I mean, this was presented to everybody Thursday night, the first night of the draft, and um, I kept being asked, you know, could we see an Aaron Rodgers trade? And simply put, no, not at the time, because as quickly as that situation would have to come together, uh, it was just very unlikely. So now that the draft is over, there's really no rush for any kind of a trade to come together because it's not like these teams that possibly um, give up the draft capital to Green Bay are going to be able to give them anything of substance for the coming season. So I don't think there's any rush at this point in time. Um, So I would be inclined to say that Aaron Rodgers probably starts the season in Green Bay. Um, But with that being said, how stubborn is Aaron Rodgers going to be? Um, You know, because by all accounts, Deshaun Watson was willing to sit out in Houston if they were not going to trade him. So I could see a similar situation in Green Bay. Um, Obviously it's a very new situation. So I think everybody's still trying to get, get a feel for it, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if anything happened. I just think that it couldn't come together quickly enough for there to be a significant change this upcoming season.
1: He's Josh Edwards. Follow him again on Twitter at Edwards CBS. All the best NFL stuff you can find. Josh, we'll do this again. Thanks for helping us out. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Like I said, Josh Edwards of CBS Sports. Do you agree with uh, his, his sentiment there about Aaron Rodgers? I don't know on that one. It's that f- everything
3: I'm reading on it, and it just he just doesn't seem happy. I mean, when you when you I think after that field goal mishap, <laughs> we'll call it a mishap, yeah, or a bad play call last year. I mean, it's just I don't I can't see him
1: going back. It was certainly disrespectful to. I'll tell kick you, like as much as but... like
3: bad vibes are going out there, and the stuff being said in the media and all this, like. I just. How do you walk back in that locker
1: room? And then after this, all these rumors Thursday night, the Packers went out and drafted a cornerback. Yeah, that was, in my opinion, not a mistake. I don't think that they were like, well, that's the best player we thought was on the after board after last year uh,
3: drafting his replacement. Yeah,
1: right. So it's it seems like it seems like there's enough smoke there that there's an actual fire burning that needs to be put out. And I don't know that they can do that in a way that Aaron Rodgers won't just say, yeah, I don't need football anymore.
3: So you think the future for him is no football, not being traded?
1: I think that he would, I think the Packers would have to get the best offer you've ever heard of in the NFL because Josh mentioned how stubborn is Aaron Rodgers. I think the Packers are maybe the most stubborn uh, <laughs> situation in the NFL. Move for nothing. You don't want to play? Fine, but you're, we're not going to give you the satisfaction of going somewhere else. They're going to Raja Bellum. Belling. If they don't get their uh, the offer they want. So I think that if he is not traded, I don't think he's playing next year. All but right. that's just me on May 3rd. We'll see. All right, we'll see. We will also see what's up in the not sports world up next with the not sports report. And uh, the housing market, it's crazy. It's wild. It's uh, f- ridiculous. One company in California might have a bit of a solution for you. We'll tell you about it next here on The Zone.
0: <laughs> number one. Make us your number one. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
1: it's time for the not sports report right here on the zone sports network brought to you by the lha or excuse me lhm used car supermarket over one thousand used vehicles in inventory shop online at lhmusedcars.com it's also time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, be call our 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game as announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850. You'll win a Zone Prize Pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Not Sports Report uh, is usually the time that Gordon Monson is here to tell us who died? Who's dying? Who? <laughs> what disease we're all going to get to. Really exciting, happy stuff. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a ray guy. of sunshine, <laughs> Gordon Monson is. Uh, I like Scott, uh, Scott Gerard when he invented this segment. It was more about interesting, non sports stories. Cool new stuff. Pop culture, yeah. movies, that sort of thing. Positive by, things. By the way, the movie zone turned five last week. Congratulations. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, everybody out there is either relishing in the fact that their home value has skyrocketed (laughs) or they're uh, very mad that they can't get into an affordable house.
3: Yeah, that's pretty much the two options. That's (laughs) what's going on right
1: now. Well, a uh, company in, of all places, California, thinks they may have solved the housing crisis and that it's not too far away from being an actual thing because they've already started to do this. This is a company called Mighty Buildings and the Polari Group, they are just about to open a brand new first ever 3D printed housing community right there in Oakland, California. Uh, they it's There's a picture here of it. They're prefab homes, obviously. They are very uh, futuristic looking, very plain looking. They're just rectangles. They have solar panels on the roof and every bit of the home is printed using a 3D printer. Now... Uh, My question for you, Jeff Miller, is would you be comfortable moving into a 3D printed home in uh, this part of the the country, in Oakland, California? Is that, meaning taking into account weather and climate and things like that, is that something that you might be comfortable doing if you were in the market for a home?
3: Yeah, I mean, especially in California, I mean, with the price of houses, if you can get a house at a reasonable cost in the state of California... And to do it like this in a zero waste fashion—it's solar and high tech—and I mean, they're talking about like wellness lighting and really cool features inside it. Like,
1: I'm I'm down. They say that they're eliminating about 99% of the waste that normally accumulates during a what they call typical stick build.
3: Yeah, I wonder if they're building with like bringing actually bringing the 3D equipment on site and building on site.
1: Uh, They are. So it's
3: all on-site 3D construction. That's pretty cool. And able to, yeah. I think it says they're able to do it for 40% less
1: yeah, cost-wise. Like this home uh, in California is starting, now this is California, remember, is starting at $595,000. In California, that's a very good bargain. Now, I think it's a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath, I think is what a, let's see. They are the, this, it will feature 15 three-bedrooms and two-bathroom homes. So 30 homes, half of them three-bedroom, the other half 2 uh, or excuse me, I'm reading this wrong altogether. 15 homes, three bedrooms, two baths, starting at 595
3: And they have swimming pools. Not For each home? Yeah, so it's a 10,000-square-foot lot, right? What's, oh, it does, yeah. Yeah, it's a swimming pool and a deck. Wow. Uh, it, and it's solar, so you're probably not paying anything for power later on. Like It seems like a pretty good deal in California.
1: So here's my worry about it's it. It's getting to be a pretty good deal in Salt Lake, too. It is, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're almost there. Uh, my worry about it, Jeff, is slumlords moving in buying all these up, and the problem just keeps exacerbating on itself.
3: That's the problem with that. Right? And there's a, there are communities that have done a good job controlling some of their housing prices. One of them in our own neck of the woods is Summit County. I don't know if you're aware but What Summit County does on a lot of their housing to try and create affordable housing for the people who work up there, like the ivory development they did up there, a certain percentage had to be controlled. So what did they do is they do its deed restricted on how much you can make reselling it. So you can't come in, buy it, and then make a 50%, 60% profit in two years. It's like you can make 5% a year. Wow. And so it's restricted on what you can make. So now it pushes away the developers or the guys that are just coming in to to flip them. Make a profit. Yeah. 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 And so a certain percentage of the units I've resold had to be those units, which somewhat controls it, especially in a place like Summit County where a house like that would have doubled in price over the last three
1: years. Yeah. uh, I didn't know about that
3: yeah, so it's a good way that that communities can do that and try and protect housing prices to make sure they're affordable for everyday folks and and to keep the speculators out of it.
1: That's the idea. I, I think that it's so important that everybody has the opportunity to have an affordable uh, place to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely no matter where you are in the world or in this country, especially in this country, to have I think it's a right to have the option, the the uh, availability. To then, what you do with that, that's your choice. But everyone should have the availability to move into a place they can be sheltered. Right, and it,
3: it's why cities like New York have rent control. Right, exactly. It's yeah. exactly that. Because, and some places in California. Yeah, a yeah. lot of places, so that you don't get pushed out of certain markets. And I think that there are governments and things like that, that can do that with housing prices. Yeah. And speculators and people like that that are flipping houses aren't going to like it. But if you have a percentage like that, you can try and make it affordable for people to own homes and. They're people paying rent for what they could be buying homes for, for three or four years ago.
1: There's your not sports report, uh, Jeff. Thanks for sitting in with me. It has been very fun. Let's do it again on Saturday.
3: <laughs> Let's do it on Saturday. The car show. What's it called? Uh, something about sense. Utah Car Sense with Austin Horton and Jeff Miller this will, Saturday, uh, ten o'clock on site
1: at we'll Mark Morris Midtown. Site. Yeah, thirty-five, thirty-five South State. Start of the do good feel good event. Awesome. Let's get it. Let's get it done. There you go. He's Jeff Miller. I want to remind you, registration is now open for Skyhawks Sports Academy summer camps. Join us for an action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports camps at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag, football, fueled by USA Football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini hockey camps, and more. Find program info and register today at dot. Excuse me. www.skyhawks. More of the big show up next with Derek Favors here on The Zone.